Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So good to see you. It's really nice to have you three with us. It's so good to have you. It's brilliant that you're here. Can I invite you to open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4? And while you turn there, let me grab you by the hand and walk you through the streets of Ephesus, early evening in Ephesus. Throughout the city, you couldn't help but notice the symbols of Roman rule everywhere that you look. While Pax Romana brought economic prosperity, people were in the grip of the empire. Caesar must have your devotion. He must have your allegiance. And if you peered through the home, or the window of a typical home in Ephesus in the early evening, you would see a meal being shared because meals were the most important forming practice in the Roman Empire. And as you peered in, you would notice what was normal, what you would have expected. It was only men who were sat around the table and they were all jostling to get as close to the host as possible because the seat to the right of the host was the seat of honor. This was a table for the elite. Everybody looked the same. It was for the well-to-do. It was for the respected in the city. And following a meal and some conversation around the table, the host, he would raise a glass and invite everyone to declare their pledge of allegiance. Caesar is Lord, everyone would cry out. But if we walked a little bit further into the edge of town, you would hear a different, a more diverse noise ringing from just a few houses. And if we peered in through the windows, what you would see would shock you. It would confuse you, it would intrigue you, as you witnessed a very different kind of table. You see men and women sat together, children and elders. You see the elite of Ephesus and those who were the talk of the town for all the wrong reasons sat together sharing a meal. And nobody was scrambling to get to the seat of honor because everyone was kind of content, kind of settled right where they were, sat beside people that were so different to them. This was a table of difference, yet equality and unity. It looked like a family dinner table. And with breadcrumbs lying across the table, the host would raise a glass, he would sip it and pass it around and declaring a very different pledge of allegiance, an allegiance that came from an entirely different kingdom. Jesus of Nazareth is Lord, the people would cry out. To use the words of Paul, as you peered in through this window into this kind of table, you would see, as he says in Galatians chapter 3, Chris, you want to flick it up, there was neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male or female, because everyone sat around the table was one in Christ Jesus. Ethnicity, class, and gender, it didn't matter, and it will never matter in the church of Jesus, because a fellowship is formed. The formerly segregated are integrated, bound together, in unifying love. The church, you and I, we're like God's grand social experiment where he takes a group of people who are so flipping different and he pulls us all together to form a family. A family that embodies a different way of living, an entirely different way of being human. The church at its core is a peculiar, strange kind of people, a contrast community that whenever you look into the window of our lives and you witness our way of life, it should shock you and confuse you, intrigue you, and invite you to come on in and to take a seat at the table. If you're able, 
Can I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word? 1 John 4, 11 and 12. Come, Holy Spirit. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is the word of the Lord given to us so that we may know the love of the Father, may practice the way of the Son, and be filled over and over and over again by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. You can grab a seat. Last week, we took some time to look at this larger passage in 1 John 4, where we find John elaborating on a piece of teaching that he heard from Jesus the night when he leant right up against him. Jesus taught that night, it's going to appear on the screen, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. Jesus invites us as his disciples to center our lives on this new command. We're to love one another. And the thing that motivates this kind of love is the love that we have already received from Jesus. Last week, we saw John teaching us that as we have received a love that is tangible and proactive and sacrificial, so too are we to love one another with a tangible, proactive, and sacrificial kind of love. We're to love one another in exactly and precisely the same way that we have been loved. But Jesus goes on to say, that night, Chris, you want to flick up the first slide? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we truly love one another with a Jesus-like love, the world will see that we belong to him. There's something about our love for each other which just isn't for us alone. There's something about our love that helps everyone in the world see Jesus. Hold that thought just for a moment. Because I'm really conscious that as we spend the next couple of weeks teaching on community, being a community of love, I know that for some of us it can feel like a bit of a stretch because this invitation to dive into deep and diverse community, well, it's not the way that we're being formed as we live as modern kind of people. Within the past 50 years or so, we in the West have moved in a particular direction. We have moved from being a we to being an I. We kind of thinking is, hey, we're all in this together. I kind of thinking is, hey, I'm free to be myself. Where it was normal for my grandparents' generation to view the world through the lens of the collective community, I am now formed by just being alive in these ages to think not in terms of being a we, but being an I. We're formed to think less about community and to think way more about ourselves. And this list isn't exhaustive, but there are three ways in particular that I think is kind of driving us from making this move from being a we to being an I. Firstly, busyness. We are so busy. Our lives are so full, and that doesn't create space for other people. And whenever we do create space for other people, it is so rushed. It is so hurried. We are not present. We are constantly looking at our phone as it pings on the table rather than looking at the person right in front of us. Number two, digitalism. A writer that I really love, Gia Tolentino, she says this, the internet has already become the central organ of contemporary life. It has already built an ecosystem that runs on exploiting attention and monetizing the self. The everyday madness perpetuated by the internet, get this, positions personal identity 
as the center of the universe. I know that I'm going to sound like such an old dude whenever I say this, but the, the vision of the internet was to connect us to the world, when in fact it has made us more disconnected than ever before. The vastness of the internet, it has pulled us into ourselves, it has shrunk our world right down. Take social media, for instance. I know this because I had a MySpace account at the very beginning. I had a profile photo that was all the emo profile photos of MySpace where you kind of took it from the corner looking down in on it. And every single adaption of social media has remained the same. It says that it's about engaging with other people, when in fact, social media is ultimately about the presentation of the self. It's made us more narcissistic, more self-absorbed than ever before. These days, it's so much easier just to take your phone out, to scroll, put your head down, rather than look up and have a conversation with an actual human being. As one of my favorite comedians put it, the internet is not a real place. We need to remember that. Three, tribalism. Whereas we know it in this part of the world, sectarianism. Sectarianism has gone viral across the world. And if community is connection based on what you are for and what you love, tribalism is connection based on what you're against, what you hate. And from small cliques of uniform friends who just love to slag off certain folks, to whole movements, gathering, conspiring, theorizing, and attacking, we are seeing people finding a home in a community that doesn't celebrate difference, but despises it. And because of these things, and so many other things that are going on, the social fabric of society is being pulled apart at the seams. And you could sum up these three things, and in so many others, under one headline. The move from we to I is defined by one thing, individualism. Individualism is the idea that the journey through life is an individual story, and it puts the same question on everybody's lips. How can I make myself happy? Commitment to community doesn't seem to matter as much anymore. And while we may trick ourselves into thinking that we are more free, the truth is, is that individualism has left us lonelier than ever before. In 2017, remember three years before COVID, the Joe Cox Foundation, through some research that they did, discovered that nine million people in Britain felt lonely that year. Nine million people. That is the shadow and the cost of individualism. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs puts it like this, an individualistic universe may be free, but it is fraught with loneliness, with isolation, vulnerability, and a prevailing sense of the meaningless, meaninglessness of life. We are alone together. That is the price of radical individualism, massively accelerated by smartphones, social media, and please hear this, the loss of context in which we form enduring moral commitments. Everything has become immediate, transactional and presentational. We hide behind our profile and become the masks that we wear. This is where I want to circle back to the teachings of Jesus, because I believe that the church of Jesus is the ultimate context for forming enduring commitments, enduring commitments that are based on love. The church is not about me. It's not just about you. It is about all of us bound together in love. And man, I believe that this is the moment, maybe more than any other moment in human history, when we must be the church, the family of Jesus, the contrast community, people of the kingdom that invites the world to see the love of God and to be drawn into it. 
we're invited to live really, really differently. In a world that is shaped by being an I, we are formed by Jesus to become a we. And whenever we do, we get to be the kind of people that welcomes the world home. So let's return to our teaching text. Verse 12 of 1 John 4 says this, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. John is writing something here that reminds us of what he said in the opening section of his gospel, speaking about the incarnation of Jesus. In 1 John, sorry, in John 1, 18, he says this, is gonna appear on the screen. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and he is in the closest relationship with the Father. Jesus has made the Father known. John, on both occasions, see that he says the same words, no one has seen God. God is speaking about the invisibility of God. We don't see him. But in the gospel, John is saying that Jesus made the invisible God visible. Jesus made him known to the world. Whenever we look at Jesus, we see what God is like. And we're really comfortable with that idea. We can wrap our heads around the mystery of the incarnation, sort of. But in 1 John 4, John riffs on his previous work and takes it that step further, a step that we can be quite uncomfortable with. Because he is saying that the unseen God is revealed in the life of Christians, you and I, especially whenever we love one another. To put it another way, people will not know what God is like and who he is until we reveal him. And how do we reveal him? We reveal him through our love for one another. God's desire is to reveal himself fully to humanity. And so he sent Jesus to inhabit a human body to reveal to the world that God is love. And what God started in Jesus, he wants to complete in and through us. We have been formed into the body of Christ who in our love for one another reveals to the world that God is love. We are to continue what Jesus started. And as we move towards each other in love, we get to show the world what God is like. God, who from the fourth word of the scriptures, well, we see that he is community, a unified community that makes space for difference. There is space for the distinctiveness of Father, Son, and Spirit. This is a community that is bound together in mutual love, a love that is big enough to welcome you and I to the table. God is love, pursuing us with a love, a love that embraces diversity, that celebrates difference, a love that invites us to be part of the God story regardless of our backstory. And so whenever we participate in God's grand social experiment and we love like him, we move towards each other, we get to show off what God is like to the world. John takes it a step further though, and let me just say this before I get really practical. John says in this verse that as we love, Jesus' love is made complete in us. I'm a wild man for starting a job, usually in and around the house, but never quite completing it. There's a Japanese art form called kitsune where an artist would sculpt a bowl or build a house and they would deliberately leave a nick in it or leave a broken piece on it or not quite finish it. That there would be a piece of imperfection just to remind the artist that they're human and that one day everything will be made right in the world. 
So whenever it comes to guttering or gardening or insulating or painting, I get to a certain stage and I think to myself, I think it's time for some kitsune. I'm going to just hold back a wee bit, you know, and I leave the job half done. Here's the thing. The piece of work that Jesus is wanting to do in and through our lives is down to two things. Two things that are interwoven together. Experiencing his love and sharing that love with the world. And this work, this forming work, this sculpting work, this building work, it comes to completion. It reaches its perfection point whenever we move in love towards one another in tangible, proactive, and sacrificial ways. The thing is, though, so often we get into the work, the early stages of it, and we experience God's love for ourselves, and we sort of just stop there. It's Kitsune time. I'm just going to chill here. And God's work in our lives, it remains half done. John is saying here, quite bluntly, actually, that we will never experience Christ's love for us if we keep it to ourselves. It is only whenever we move in love towards one another that the love of God reaches its goal in our lives. It is only whenever we love one another that love comes alive. You may have heard the term in and around the church around having a personal relationship with God. Let me be clear, and you've heard me bang on about this for so long over the years, that I do believe that we can meet with God in a personal way, and it's so important to do so, particularly behind the scenes of our lives. But if all that there is in our life is just my thing with me and Jesus, I'm just all about receiving, I'm all about just soaking him in, well, truthfully, that doesn't make any sense in the Jesus vision. Jesus' love is always other-centered. It's never self-centered. It is impossible to experience the love of Jesus without sharing the love of Jesus, particularly with those who are different to you. Some of you may be wondering in these days, why am I not experiencing the love of God like I used to? Can I ask you, humbly and as a friend, are you sharing the love of Jesus with people who are unlike you in these days? His love and our love are to be inseparable. Like this requires a, mind shift, a mindset shift for us. Because in the way of the West, we think, hang on a second, Stu, God's love is a gift and surely I am able just to receive it. When actually in the vision of the kingdom, Jesus says, no, no, you're empowered to go and give that love away. When we move towards other people who are unlike us in love, the love of God, it comes alive. And this is why for the disciple, the church is never and can never be an entity that is outside of ourselves. The church can never be an add-on to our lives. It is impossible, utterly impossible, to have a relationship with Christ outside of a loving relationship with the church. And by church, please hear following Jesus alongside people who are different to you, people who are exactly the same as you. That's just, as we say in Lisburn with the most wonderful turn of phrase, people that you run around with. It's not church. You will only ever experience the fullness of God's love in the context of Christian community. And that is why we've got to be super careful about, about Christian consumerism right now. 
because it is becoming easier and easier to think that we can encounter God and experience him by the content that we take in rather than the invitation to move out of ourselves and into love towards brothers and sisters. The love of God, it comes alive in the life of the church. Henry Nouwen put it like this in a letter that he wrote in 1989 to a friend. It says this, All the great saints that I have read, such as St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, Thomas of Chemist, Meister Eckhart, who, by the way, are crazy mystics. They are so out there. But hear this. They were all people deeply connected with the church. The church, as you say so clearly, can be in the way of God. The church is never perfect, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But it, may, but it will never cease, please hear this, to be also the way to God. This is the hard paradox of the religious life. Whenever we give up the church completely, we will end up by losing God. Let me land this for us really practically. How do we put this kind of love for each other into practice? Whenever I consider the church, I tend to think of it as like a tapestry, sewn and stitched together. On one side, you have this beautiful piece of art. That's the love of God made known to the world, like on the left-hand side. The love of God that the world is able to see and witness a community of love. We get to display that to the world. And yet, whenever you flip the tapestry around, you see how this beauty is made possible through a thick, uncoordinated, organic system of threads entangled and enmeshed together different colors, different lengths. They're layers that run across each other. They, they tighten up in certain points. It's messy. It looks unthought through, but it creates a beautiful piece of art for the world to see. The church is a beautiful and messy tapestry. Behind the scenes, there is this gloriously messy system of tangible, proactive, and sacrificial acts of love that weave together to form a beautiful community that displays the love of Jesus to the world. These threads look uncoordinated. They may look a bit unordered, but this is what binds the community together. Friends, we are bound together, not by content, not by me talking at you for 20 minutes or so. We are bound together by the threads of everyday love that we get to share with one another. So, what are some of the threads behind the scenes that help us form a beautiful community? Let me share a few. And I know these to be true because these things just happen all the time around here. I'm talking about meals around dinner tables. I'm talking about staring somebody into the eye and encouraging them. I'm talking about praying for each other and never stopping until breakthrough comes. I'm talking around sticking around for 10 minutes or so after church, even in the car park of Altona Estate, just to say hi to somebody that you've never met before. I'm talking about forgiving one another, helping each other move house, sending a text to check in on somebody, giving your possessions away, giving somebody a financial gift, holding short accounts with people, shutting down gossip as soon as possible. I'm talking about going on walks together, asking each other, how are you actually doing? I'm talking about discipling our children together, giving a car away to somebody who needs it, walking around somebody's business and praying that God would bless it, hosting the best parties that you can throw in the Lagan Valley. I'm talking about remembering milestone moments, dropping around meals, 
and showing up together through times of grief and loss. I could go on and on and on, but you know what I am talking about. Every day, tangible, proactive, sacrificial, sometimes super small acts that form us together into a family. Whatever stage of life you're in, you can do this. Whether your life is slammed right now, you can send a text with somebody and check in on how they're doing. It's so simple. And it's never coordinated from the front. It's really important that I say this. This is not something that we are going to build into a campaign or anything. This is what it means to be the church every single day. You don't need permission to live like this. If you need it, go. Have permission. Go and do it. But you don't need permission from us to live in this way. As we move towards each other in this kind of a way, a beautiful community is formed. A community that helps the world see God. Particularly as we navigate COVID right now, it is so important that we don't leave God's work in our life to simply be half done. We need to move towards perfection, completion, which is us moving towards each other in love. And so this week, or dare I say, even this afternoon, even in the next 20 minutes or so, how will you thread your life into the thick tapestry of the church? What are you gonna do? And most importantly, who are you going to move towards? Because as we live like this, one relationship, one meal, one conversation, one risky act at a time over the long haul of our lives, the love of Jesus will come alive and an eye-shaped world will peer into the window of our collective lives and they will see a way of living that will shock them, confuse them, intrigue them and invite them to come home. Shall we stand together? James and Hannah, come on up. We all have tangible, proactive, and sacrificial things to do. To be the body of Christ, it is over to you. And yet I know that for some of you, there will still be a hesitation to live like this, to throw your life into the church. And that hesitation it comes from hurt. Some of you may be carrying wounds from your experience of the body of Christ. Church is never perfect. You know this. There's moral failures, there's splits, there's sins, and there's secrecy. It can be a place of disunity. The church can be tough. But it's important to remember that it's not the church that hurts us, but people hurt people. And I'm aware that some of us may be feeling a sense of hesitancy to throw our life into the life of this community because of some previous experience that we've got, simply because we find it difficult to trust. I get it. Trust me. I get it. And yet I want to create some space this afternoon for us to be open to the healing that only the Spirit can bring. I believe that the Spirit heals miraculously in a moment that he can do that, but particularly in this area, I know because I know that the healing can often be slower, more tender, and we want to be the kind of community that helps you along the way. And so I'll be around and some of our team will be around the front to pray for you at the end of our gathering, if that would be helpful. But if you want to have a conversation about this, you know how to reach me. Just jump onto our website and speak to me or any of our team. But for now, I want to create just a moment for the Spirit to minister 
to tend to our wounds, to tend to our sense of hesitation because of some hurt that we're carrying. Parker Palmer has this wonderful expression that I long for you to live into if this is touching a nerve right now and is making you feeling really uncomfortable. And it's the invitation for us to live with a broken, open heart. This isn't the the denial of our brokenness because actually resurrection, it comes from the ground of our own brokenness. Brokenness can lead to wisdom and resilience, but I believe that the Spirit wants us to move towards a sense of openness, an openness to community, an openness to Him, an openness to live into the ways of Jesus. And so can I invite you, just where you are, just to close your eyes, can I invite everyone to close their eyes if they're comfortable with that? And if you feel a sense of hesitancy to throw yourself into the life of community, particularly because of hurt, can I just invite you to place your hand over your heart? Because I'd love to pray for you. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? right now. And Lord, with the wounds that we are carrying, would you come and heal? Speak healing over wounds and over hurt. And right now, I also come against the lie, the sneaky lie of the enemy who speaks to us with a narrative that says, because this has happened in the past, that is bound to happen again. I break the lie of the enemy that seeks to steal beautiful community from you because of hurt. And I pray, Spirit, that you would open up our broken hearts so that we may live open to you and open to each other. just going to create a moment just for you to stay in that space just to receive to pray but also to worship because i love you to draw your attention away from your hurt even sometimes we can idolize where we have been we can glorify our hurt And sometimes it's so important to turn our attention towards our true God, the one that we truly worship and to center our hope and our openness and our brokenness on him. So stay in that space. Continue to allow the spirit to minister to you. 